This is episode number 189, Be Your True Authentic Self with Annie Lee. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming call called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few months ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer, as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to be able to not only better understand ourselves, but also those that are walking next to us. If you would like to know more details about any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.com. Today, The last thing that I would like to mention is if you have liked any of the previous episodes and continue to enjoy the content that we put out there, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Annie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Oleg. I appreciate it. I love seeing your happy face this morning. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you for thank you for those words and thank you for connecting with me prior to all this. And I remember you and I having a conversation probably could have been a whole separate post- podcast of its own, but <laughs> I'm glad that we're able to come together on here and explore this top- topic of authenticity. And I think even the question that you chose, it's very interesting because I've been wondering the same thing you know when it comes to doing a lot of the work that you do and being um, as intentional as you can but also as authentic and vulnerable as you can are there boundaries to be drawn and if so like what are they or do you just live it out completely with kind of like no boundaries everything is an open book Right. I mean, I, I, that's, and that's the the question I asked because I, you know, I think that it is a conversation that you and I could probably talk on for a long time. Um, I think it's so important and what I'm finding in, and I told you today's my birthday. So I'm like having all of these like sort of revelations and this reflecting on my first 41 years and now I'm into 42 today. Right. So my biggest thing is being my most true authentic self. I think that is so important to show up that way, but you don't just, or at least I didn't just wake up one day and, and show up that way. Like mm-hmm. it's, work. it's work to show who you really are, because there's a lot of ways that you can be hurt in your life. There's a lot of people that might take advantage if you're your truest, most authentic self. And you have to kind of build, build strength around that person and find out who you really are and be really confident in who that person is and knowing it. And that does involve some boundaries. I think I don't, I wanted to get your opinion on that though. Mm-hmm. Like what your thoughts are regarding boundaries and which ones do you set and which ones don't, and which ones do you say, screw it. And which ones do you say, I, I keep these in place. I have some pretty firm boundaries that I keep in place. 
And that's definitely like, you know, you use the word intentional. That's definitely intentional for me. What are they? Um, so I have a private space in me mm-hmm. that is just mine. And I don't share that with anybody. And it's just mine. It's not a secret. It's not hidden. It's not a shameful thing. It's just a space that I carry with me in my heart that surrounds me right here where I, that I hold really close to me. That is just mine. And I won't allow anyone to cross that. Now, I don't know if that leads me to a place of where I can't be a hundred percent vulnerable. I think I can be pretty vulnerable and definitely authentic, but it's something that I protect very closely to my heart and that I carry with me daily. I think that's an interesting point because it kind of makes me think of maybe, so to say, the name of the game becomes not about (laughs) being 100% vulnerable to one person, but being 100% vulnerable to who you are in knowing that there's going to be like a threshold for what that vulnerability is going to look like for every person. Because I I even think about, as you were sharing this, (laughs) certain conversations I have with with my friends that I'm probably not going to have with my mom. Right. Exactly. Or or the same thing, vice versa. And so in that case, it's like, does it make you less vulnerable, less authentic, or is that just a relationship? And it almost seems that each and every single one of the relationships and connections has its own level of vulnerability and authenticity. Like it's not the same thing across the board for everyone. It's not, it's not. And, and I, and I know people that sort of present that way, like, you know, no, it's just a hundred percent me all the time. And I'm different. I'm always the same at my core. Right. But I'm different with people depending on our relationship. So like you just said, you're spot on, like with my mom is going to be very different than my, my very best friend or, you know, a business colleague. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that I'm less authentic. You can still be very authentic, but have boundaries, you know, and boundaries in place. So there's certain things that I wouldn't allow other people to see with, you know, see in, in, in that lens, with that lens, in that way inside of me, because that's something that I hold really near and dear. And I only let one or two people in to see that, but that doesn't mean that I'm not real. Yeah. Do you find that that in today's day and age, (laughs) it becomes even harder to define what it means to be authentic, because it seems like that word is probably used as often as "hi, hello, how are yes. you?" phrases. I think the the word is definitely overused. Um, do I think it's harder? No, I'm finding it actually easier to to define what authenticity really is because I do the work. Hmm. So I work on myself daily. And I work with clients and what I do for a living and I make, you know, try to make an impact each day and give back each day and help others and lift others. So in doing that work for others and doing the work on me, I move closer to authenticity each day. So Mm. I, I try to put my head on the pillow at night and say every single day, I am being my truest, most authentic self. I was today. And if not, this is what I can do tomorrow to be better. Mm. That's such a, that's a really awesome mindset. Um, you know, one of the things I try and do is, is like a gratitude journal and, and just express not, not only the people, but just the different things, mm-hmm. the ability to breathe because none of it as you and I were even having a conversation, conversation prior to this, none of this is permanent. Mm-hmm. Everything's temporary. Um, your time on this planet is temporary. The people that you meet, it's all temporary. And mm-hmm. I think there's, at least for me, 
there was a point in my life where I did not believe the same way. I thought that I had 80 years to live. Therefore, I can put off certain things until 50, 60 years down the road to get it done. But in reality, through other people's lives, you're able to see it that, that that's not the case. Well, and that's maturity, too, on your part. You're becoming more mature and sort of understanding how life works. And you can't fault yourself for feeling invincible. That's that's why they say the youth is wasted on the young. You know, <laughs> we don't. We can't fault ourselves. It's you're coming into your own as a grown up, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just and, and I still feel like I am too, you know, where I'm learning every day sort of what what life is really about and and what I've learned as a mom, especially. So when you become a parent, there's a whole other dimension. You know, what I've learned as a mother is the moments are what matters. So I think that there's a lot of people that are on this quest for happiness. Right. And they're like, I want to be happy. I want to get to this place where I'm happy. And I am a big supporter of being happy, but I think happiness is in moments. I don't think happiness is a state of mind. Mm. So I feel that there's no real quest for happiness. It's that you have to grasp onto the moments each day. And that's what motherhood has taught me that belly laugh or that, you know, my son said to me the other night, he's 11. So he's like a tween now. You know, he said, Mom, I'm so glad that we're so close. And I was like, who are you? Like, I can't believe you're 11. You're trying to do my mind that this little, this child, you know, and in that moment, I felt so much love bursting out of my heart that I'm like, I never, ever, ever want to forget this moment. And that is happiness to me. So I grasp onto that. I put that in my journal. I'm holding that in my pocket with me. And those are the moments I can go back to when things are shitty. When things are crappy, when things aren't the way you want them, or things don't go as planned, or they don't go as you thought they were going to go. Come back to those moments and and have gratitude for those and come back to a good centered place. Did you have a similar childhood to the one that your child is able to experience? It's a very, very interesting question. Um, I did not have a similar childhood. I had, um, my parents were divorced at a very young age. My kids uh, have divorced parents as well. We, but we have a really solid co-parenting relationship. Mm-hmm. So their experience is, I'm not, not to say that they don't have parents that are divorced. They do, but they have a completely different experience than I had. I had a lot of chaos and um, a lot of sort of like fighting between the parents and just like, uh, like abandonment type issues growing up. And I'm, I've, I've come out of those and I'm coming to a place of, like I said, true authenticity where I can really feel like comfortable in my own skin. Now mm-hmm. um, my children have a very, um, firm grasp on being loved, loving who they are, who loves them and what life is, is supposed to look like for a child. So security. Um, so no, not, not, there was definitely love in my home, but not, not that it was not as, uh, not as calm and steady as my children have. Mm -hmm. I've always wondered that how our childhood experiences, especially those of early parenting impact kind of the trajectory of our lives, because as you, you briefly know from my story, it's very different, very different sort of circumstances I was born into. And so I just, that's always something in the back of my mind is like, okay, does there become a point where I'm going to parent based on X, Y, and Z values that I was introduced to or certain influences that I had in the past? Well, you, you definitely decide that as a grown up, where you say uh-huh. as a parent and you say like, I remember with my ex-husband who I'm, you know, I'm still very good friends with we said, we're going to break the cycle. And, you know, we even had a text exchange last night where I said, I'm really happy 
that A, B, and C went on because he came in my new house and he looked around and it was just like a nice experience for the children. Uh-huh. And I would have never had that when I was, when I was little, my parents would have never done that. And I texted him. Thank you. I'm so glad that the kids get to see us together and, you know, see that things are nice and there's no discomfort. And he said like co-parenting score 100, like <laughs> we are just on the same page, not with being married, but with being co-parents, our values are the kids first, our love for them first. They know where they stand we make the schedule, they have their discipline, we're on the same page with everything. And it really gives the kids a good foothold, like a secure place in life. Mm. So we decided that, I mean, if we didn't do that, we could have had a very, we could have fought, you know, through the divorce, we could have fought through the split, but we decided to make it good and be Mm -hmm. mature and always put them first. So yeah. What does marriage mean to you now? Oh, partnership. Mm. Partnership. I didn't know, I didn't know how to be a partner when I was married. I didn't know truly what that meant. And that was partly because I didn't have the self-worth that I have now. Uh So I had, it was a long journey for me to get to a place of real self-worth and real, um, really respecting who I am as a person. And because you have to love yourself to love someone else as like people throw that around, but really think about that. You have to love yourself in order to truly be able to love someone else. And I didn't love myself for a long time. So even though he's a great guy and I'm a good person, it didn't work because I didn't love myself. So I didn't know how to be a partner. And now I have found, I've done the work and I know how to be a partner to somebody because I do care for myself and value myself enough to do that. That's awesome. Do you you find that, in that experience, like how necessary. So the reason why I ask this question is because that's obviously something that's on my mind, but I've been curious about this whole concept of marriage to begin with. And what I'm learning is that, well, if, if you're already committed and loyal and all these other things, then what does the ring present? You know, what, what additional layer does that add or like a formal marriage, you know, having everyone gather to celebrate what, what does that mean to you now, considering your own experience and the things that you went through? Like, is that even a necessary component of that experience? So we're in a different, we're different generations, right? So I know your generation is very like, you know, the millennials are very, not anti-marriage, but you do question what that right. means. Whereas my generation, it's just what you did. Like you just, for the most part, like around, you know, 25, 26 or 27, you're with somebody by 29, you're married. And by 30, you have a baby. Like it's sort of just the way that things went. It's like like a lot at once and you're totally not ready for it. And if you, if you end up doing it, if you end Mm. up working out, you got really lucky. That's how I look at it. You got Mm. really lucky. Um, How do I look at it now? It, It is something that I'd like to do again. I would like to get married again, but I wouldn't put emphasis on the, other the things that were important to me before the important to me before was like my wedding and the celebration and like the party and like all the people together like none of that matters to me anymore like if i if i find someone and fall in love with them and marry them mm-hmm. it will be in a closed like private ceremony it's just about the vows that you exchange so the vows are what's important to me making mm-hmm. that vow and saying that like legally saying like I'm yours and you're mine and we're, you know, as one, mm-hmm. like there's some, in the Jewish ceremony, there's something that says like, I'm consecrated to you. And I love that line. 
Like there's just something about that tradition that gets my heart. It's not so much like, you know, like that I would, it's not so much the law as it is what it means in my heart. So eventually do I want to do that? Is it, you know, if, if I had this amazing relationship and we just said, you know, we're, we're just going to be together. We don't have to get married then, you know, that's okay too. So we'll see where that, what happens, Uh but um, it's definitely, it's, it's still, there is an importance level there to me, but I'm not like, Oh my God, I have to have another ring on my phone. (laughs) I'm not like that at all. You know, Um, I'm just, I'm more about me and being happy and being like being authentic and fulfilled and making an impact on the world and having meaningful relationships. than I am like meeting this guy that's going to sweep me off my feet and give me a diamond. Uh Uh What drives that? What drives your impact? Because I know that something you brought up kind of in the middle, and I'm a huge believer of it as well. Everything starts from from within. And I think this concept, so for however long, I was taught the other way. And I was taught that you have to fix others before you fix yourself, Mm -hmm. help others before you help yourself. But in reality, I just realized that that's a very, it's almost like an impossible journey to go on. Because if the person is not willing to help themselves, then it's, you're not going to get there. There's a wall that you're hitting every single time and you're not going to break through it. What kind of clicked for you as far as, hey, this is the journey I have to go on and these are the things I want to do with my life and these are the people that I want to serve? Um, I think what people forget, Oleg, is that like it can be done together. It can be done simultaneously. So as I work on myself, And as I give back to people and help people heal, Uh it heals me. So, but you have to, you have to get to that self-worth first. So like for me, I had to learn why I should value myself first. Once I learned why I brought value and why I'm valuable as a person and and figured out my self-worth, then I could, in order to get stronger and heal myself, I reach out to heal others. So it lifts Mm. me to lift others. And that's what the impact that I make every day is what I try to do is form meaningful connections and help Mm -hmm. other people find their truest selves. So when I can uncover that with people and my clients and and companies now, you know, I'm I'm working now at something new. I took the vice president of an advisory position at a company called Something New. And what we do is we go into companies and we help them find their truest, most authentic selves. Um, and by doing that, we, uh, we fix their talent strategy and we educate them on, um, on their, uh, talent acquisition, mm-hmm. uh, onboarding and retention. So I'm helping companies and I'm helping people, um, to find their truest selves. And when, when you can, when I do that, it helps to heal me every single day. So the impact that I make mm-hmm. is making an impact on myself as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I, I've learned the same exact thing. I think there's so much to be learned through service and, in my opinion, even this concept of purpose, oftentimes it gets complicated. I used to think that in finding purpose, I had to go to Thailand and do a silent meditation and all, all these experiences. When in reality, what I realized was that purpose can be as simple as service. <laughs> and then through that service, finding that thing that kind of sets your soul on fire and allows you to keep going every single day. Absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, I, I do volunteer work with my children. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bring them, you know, like we, we have different organizations where we deliver food to, to the less, um, you know, the people that, that need it. Um, we, we pack backpacks with essential items and give them out to children that need them that don't have them. And I think that when you do things like that 
and you're modeling the way for your children. So that's another way that like at this point in my life as a parent, I sort of have learned to model the way I want to teach my children that they, you know, don't have everything that the time is, it, you know, they're not invincible and mm-hmm. that, you know, they have, they have privilege and a lot of people don't have what they have. And I want to show them realities of life. Um, and in doing that, I can model the way that you need to be in life and, and practice those ways of giving back and that service. And uh-huh. again, you don't have to do big, gigantic things in order to give back. I mean, you can, you know, work for a hotline and, and talk to people that just need to talk. I mean, there's ways every day that we can give back and be of service. And it really is. I have to tell you, when I have a meeting with a client, I am so uplifted afterwards just from talking and connecting and uncovering sort of what's going on in their life or their business that we can sort of get to a better place for them or strategize how to, um, to make things a little bit more productive or better or, or more, you know, towards authenticity, things like that. Those are the things that we talk about. And when I do that, I am so uplifted afterwards. I'm like on a high. And so that's sort of the impact that I try to make every day because again, it helps me heal. Yeah. (laughs) Annie, what's the best way that people can connect with you and do you have anything that's coming up that's a part of your work? Sure. I mean, they can look for the Living with Annie podcast. I'm on every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Um, Eastern Standard. And um, I'm also, we do a podcast for work, something new, live. Mm-hmm. The Why podcast is on Fridays at 12, 15 p.m. That's on my channel too. And AnnieLeap.com. They can go to A-N-N-I-E-L-E-I-B.com to find me. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our podcast so you can receive all of the latest content as well as all of the upcoming episodes. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring conversations. Once again, We thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week. Thank you